0: You're listening to the Martial Arts Business Podcast with your host, Small Dojo, Big Profits author, Mike Massey. Remember to go to MartialArtsBusinessDaily.com slash podcast for show notes, transcripts, links to martial arts business resources, and more. Now, here's your host, Mike Massey. Hey,
1: folks. It's Mike Massey, and I'm back with another edition of the Martial Arts Business Podcast. And in this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about making transition, from part-time to going full-time in your martial arts studio. But before we get to that, I want to cover a couple of things. The first thing is I want to read a quote from my book, um, The Profit-Boosting Principles for Martial Arts School. And this is a book that I wrote quite some time ago. I believe this book was written, uh, let's see here, let's look at the publication date on this. Oh man, way back in 2013. So I wrote this book and published it initially, I think in actually 2012. I think this edition's 2013, but it's been around for a while, been around for at least 10 years now, possibly longer than that, because I, I might have written this book earlier than that. But anyway, I'm going read here from chapter two, and this chapter is how to increase your martial arts school profits without increasing your overhead. And I start this chapter by saying that in J. Abraham's excellent book, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got, Mr. Abraham states that there are only three ways you can increase your business. By increasing your number of clients, by increasing the average size of the sale per client, or by increasing the number of times clients return and buy again. In truth, this is no great revelation. Every savvy business owner knows that these three areas of focus are where the real profits are in a small business. In fact, I learned this very thing when I was studying business at university. Now, let me go back. Let me read something again for you. I say here... I open the opening paragraph of this chapter in J. Abraham's excellent book. That's what's known as attribution, people. And uh, attribution is something that in academic circles, um, say when you're attending university, grad school, etc., that you're expected to do when you quote somebody else in your own writing. In other words, that you're not taking somebody else's Uh, writing somebody else's thoughts, somebody else's words, taking them and misrepresenting them as your own. Now, I've written more articles, courses, and books on the topic of starting running and growing martial arts studios and perhaps anybody else in the martial arts industry. I've been at this a very long time. I wrote Small Digi Big Profits in 2003 after running a martial arts school professionally for 10 years, being very successful at it in a small martial arts studio, developing my own systems. Some of them were based on other people's systems, but for the most part, the systems that I had that I developed, they were developed on my own because what people were teaching in the industry at the time was not geared toward what I wanted to do in my martial arts studio, running a small, lean highly profitable studio. People just weren't teaching it. Everybody was teaching the big school approach. And some of the things they were teaching sickened me. After I ran that school for 10 years, then I sold it, sitting around, kind of twiddling my thumbs, wondering what I should do. I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a business manual and it's going to be completely different from anything else anybody else has written in the industry. And that's what I did. And the manual took off. After that, people started coming back to me, wanting more information, uh, wanting assistance. I ended up getting a coaching, ended up writing a slew of more books, more courses, providing all kinds of other stuff for people, starting the podcast and so forth. Matter of fact, I started this podcast back in 2013, 2014. This is before podcast for even the radar of anybody else in the industry. Now I, I went and looked as uh, I was looking for, uh, you know, my podcast on the different platforms to make sure that after we moved the podcast to a new podcast host, that it um, populated to those platforms. And I see that there's There are tons of martial arts business podcasts out there. I don't have a problem with that, but it's interesting to me because there's even somebody out there who actually named their podcast the Martial Arts Business Podcast, even though I already had a podcast. My podcast has been out there the whole time. I haven't taken it down from anywhere. So people have been continuing to listen to episodes of my podcast, even though I hadn't touched the podcast in maybe like six, eight years uh, since I started uh, writing fiction full-time, even though I'd been writing martial arts schools and so forth. I just didn't have the time to mess with it then. So it's interesting to me that... (laughs) You know, every week it seems like I, I come across some new piece of media, some new book, some new manual, something somebody is is uh, selling or giving away or that they published on Amazon or so forth. Um, I've come across two in the last week um, books that people are selling either on Amazon or they're selling on their own websites that almost directly quote my own materials that I wrote, you know, a decade or more ago. These people, they're so brazen about it too. They'll take um, the uh, chapter headings and the section headings for my book word for word. Um, they will rewrite chapters from my books in their own words. I don't know if they're doing this. I don't know if they're hiring ghostwriters to do it. I have a funny feeling some of these people, what they're doing is, is they're just going on Fiverr, hiring a ghostwriter saying, hey, you know, go out there and write me a book. And then the ghostwriters perhaps are reading these books, you know, because mind are the only books out there really that you're going to find that are prevalent on Amazon and so forth, that are easily accessible. And I think maybe ghostwriters are reading my books and then they're rewriting my books in their own words and then passing it off to these, uh, you know, uh, so-called martial arts consultants, you know, as an original work when it's not, I don't know. I don't want to just assume any uh, nefarious intent on somebody else's part. But I will say that when you take somebody else's words, somebody somebody else's published ideas and thoughts, and you reprint them misrepresenting them to the public as your own thoughts and words that is nothing more than intellectual theft it is plagiarism and you know it's been happening to me for 20 years actually it's it's happened to me it's it, some of the some of the biggest names in the industry i will say have have done this that they have quoted me without attribution and you know how i am i don't like to name names i don't like to call people out You know, I don't like to drag people through the dirt because I just don't think it's professional, but I will say that it's been going on for 20 years and I'm kind of sick of it, you know? And what really, really, really pisses me off, pardon my French, is that some of of these people did this when I was suffering from cancer, when I was down and out and I was sick and, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything but fighting for my life, you know? Um, totally focused on saving my own life, you know, being there for my family, for the future and so forth. And and these people, you know, they, they basically, in my opinion, took advantage of my um, compromised position in order to use that, I guess, as an opportunity to maybe take my ideas and present them as their own. I don't know. You know, like I said, I don't want to assume anything on anyone's part. But all I'm saying is the bottom line here, I'm just telling you about this stuff because, you people out there, you martial arts instructors and school owners who are listening to this podcast, the people who beg me to bring this podcast back for years and years and years, um, the people who uh, have read my books, who belong to my groups on Facebook, you know, who have followed me from the very beginning for the last 20 years, um, you know who I am. You know what I'm all about. You know what I've accomplished and what I've done for people in this industry. I've had so many people, even in the last week that have told me, hey, look, you were the person that it inspired me to start my martial arts studio. You know, you're the one. It wasn't they're not saying somebody else inspired them. They're saying I inspired them. And I'll take credit for that because, you know, I was the lone voice out there in the wilderness saying, hey, look, you can do this without spending a ton of money, without putting yourself in a hock, without taking out big loans. Here's how you do it. This is the way I did it because I was forced to do this because I was poor. I came from an indigent background and I had to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I did it. You can too. Other people in history, they haven't done what I've done. And all I'm saying is, for those of you out here who are new to the podcast or who don't know who I am, because I haven't been actually, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, you know, prominent in the industry for the last, you know, say, eight years, maybe, when I started focusing more on my publishing career than I was focusing on doing consulting work and, and so forth. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by these people, these Johnny-come-latelys who have come along, and you've taken my ideas, taken my materials, taken what I teach what I created and and have represented it as their own because you know what? When you're getting information secondhand, usually it's going to get twisted. And I can tell you I have had at least three clients come to me over the past month who have said, hey, Mike, look, you know, I was in your group, I was in your coaching group or I took one of your courses or whatever. And then I wanted to see what else was out there. I went out I checked out another group. I checked out, you know, this group or that group or this mastermind or that mastermind or I was in this Facebook group or whatever. And they're all just teaching your stuff and they're teaching it poorly. And I've seen it time and time again. Heck, I've read books that were, that were based on my book, Small of Big Profits, almost chapter by chapter where they got almost every core concept wrong. In the book, and you know we've seen the fallout from that, and some of the lawsuits and so forth that have uh, that have uh, come about in the industry recently. So, unfortunately, people are suffering because of it. So, don't be fooled, people. All right, now. Next thing I want to talk about, Um, enough of that rant, all right? I want to talk about something that's going to benefit you, the school owner and instructors who are out there listening to this podcast, and that is my Black Friday sale. I have a Black Friday sale that is starting now. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it will be live on my bookstore at store.martialartsbusinessdaily.com. That is where you can find the entire martial arts business a success library, I guess, is what you would call it. I think that's what I was calling it on the website, if I'm not mistaken. But basically, it's the whole series of books that I've written. And uh, there are over a dozen books there. Um, most of them, uh, all of them actually, are published in ebook format. The longer books I published in print format because it is economically feasible to do so. Um, as far as the shorter books and stuff, those are printed all in ebook format, but they're all found on the website. And right now, until midnight, on Cyber Monday, you can get all of my ebooks at 50% off at store.martialartsbusinessdaily.com. or you can if you prefer print, you can get those books which are in uh, available in paperback format. You can get those for 20% off. Now, I would have liked to have done a deeper discount on the print books, but unfortunately, the cost of printing has, uh, has risen considerably in the last couple of years. You can ask anybody who's in the publishing business that um, with the cost of paper and printing and, you know, supply chains, you know, all that good stuff that happened since the pandemic. So I couldn't do as deep of a discount on the paperback books. I'm sorry, but the eBooks, you know, definitely that's a great discount. That's a deep discount. You can pick a whole library relatively cheaply right now. So go to store.martialartsbusinessdaily.com. If there's any of my books you haven't purchased that you're looking to purchase and you want to pick them up at a deep discount, now is the time to do it. Okay. So thanks for supporting my work. I appreciate it. And now let's get on to the topic of this week's podcast to the primary topic of this week's podcast, which is my top seven tips for transitioning from part-time to full-time in your martial arts studio. So a while back, I came across this meme and I thought it was really funny. I shared it with, uh, with my, uh, coaching group members. And it says that being your own boss is great because you get to choose which 16 hours of the day you get to work. And you know, that meme really tickled my funny bone because, um, you know, I've done that very thing, um, working 16 hour days, you know, working seven days a week and so forth, at least four times in my life, if not more often, um, when launching martial arts studios. And if you're working a full-time job right now, and you're trying to launch a martial arts studio, you're probably in the same boat. You're probably working some really long hours, you know, finding yourself working 10, 12 14, even 16 hour days, as I mentioned. And, you know, I've been there before and trust me, I can definitely empathize with your situation. Okay. Because I know what it's like. I know how it is to to grind and to be grinding day after day after day, trying to get ahead and trying to, you know, make something work, um, you know, to make your dreams work, I guess you could say. Uh, so you can live your dream, making a full-time income, running a martial arts studio. So, You know, those of you who are out there who are struggling and suffering and and, uh, trying to make things happen, that's why I'm here. You know, that's why I'm doing this. Um, There are other things I could be doing with my time right now that make me a lot more money than running a podcast, you know, than spending all day on a Friday when I usually, traditionally take Fridays off or at least Friday afternoons off. Um, There are other things I could be doing besides spending my time recording and editing a podcast. But You know, for um, as long as you have me here, I can't guarantee I'm going to be doing this for forever. I'll probably do this for a while and then again go back to what I was doing before. But um, for now, you know, you have my experience and my wisdom and knowledge and advice uh, for free through this podcast. So I'm going to share with you some tips now my top seven tips for making the transition from going part-time to full-time so you can smoothly make that transition to go full-time into martial arts school. So let's start off with the first one. The first tip is to focus on marketing. Mastering marketing, that is the essential skill for making the leap from going part-time to full-time. When I see instructors who have started martial arts studios, they're still working day jobs, or they're still struggling to, you know, to make an income from their school, they're basically only covering their, uh, you know, their expenses in the studio and not really making enough money to support themselves at home, usually the issue that I see that is stopping them from making that transition fully to full-time, being a full-time owner of a martial arts studio, being financially successful, is that they lack marketing skills. They lack marketing skills. They lack marketing knowledge. They lack experience in marketing. And their marketing is just not that good. And I see this all the time. You know, just in my coaching group this week, um, one of my coaching group members posted his website and, uh, you know, he was asking questions because he was following the advice that I give in the group and also the advice I give in the Simplified Dojo Marketing Course, which is now available on our app, our mobile app at com. And this particular school owner was, um, you know, he was kind of in a quandary because, you know, he had started a uh, Facebook ad campaign. His Facebook ad campaign was doing well. It was generating clicks. He was getting a pretty decent cost per click, but yet he wasn't getting any leads. And he's like, hey, Mr. Massey, you know, um, what should I do about this? You know, I actually turned the campaign off because I was getting clicks, but no leads. Like you say, you know, if if that's happening, you know, something's wrong, you know, what's the problem? And so he had posted a link to his landing pages, what he called his landing pages, where he was sending his traffic which is actually just the homepage of one of his program pages on his website. I went and looked at it. and I said, "Well, you know, it's your website. And uh, when you're, you know, running a pay-per-click ad campaign and you're sending paid traffic to a landing page, and you're generating clicks and traffic, but you're not getting leads or conversions, that means that your website is broken and you need to fix it. And by broken, I don't necessarily mean that it's mechanically broken or um, broken in the sense that the software is broken." but that it is broken from a marketing sense, from a conversion optimization sense. And I looked at his website and I wrote a, you know, probably like a, you know, a 500, 800 word response to um, his question, listing everything I saw immediately that was wrong with his website. There was plenty. So then, you know, I was kind of telling him, you know, hey, look, you know, you really shouldn't be DIYing your website, you know, a do-it-yourself website. It's just not something you get, can get away with in today's day and age. And he's like, oh, no, I paid for this. And uh, I, I was just shocked. I'm like, you know, this person actually paid a professional web design studio to build this website when it was horrible from a, uh, you know, a landing page optimization and conversion optimization perspective. So, you know, you need to Educate yourself in marketing because the moral of that story is that this person had a little bit more, had spent a little bit more time educating themselves in marketing and really understood what they were looking at and what they were paying for. They would have known that um, they got kind of hoodwinked on their web design. And what is interesting to me also, they had another company... Um, build a website for them in the past and that website was actually doing really well for them but they canceled it because they thought it was too expensive and I'm like too expensive you know and I I know most of the good web design companies out there in the martial arts industry they charge a few hundred bucks a month for um, for websites you know they're basically renting you a website which I understand that's their business model and they have to do it that way because of economies of scale and so forth but some of you out there think that that's too expensive. You think that that is just um, a, a, a an unreasonable expense, and I'm here to tell you it's not. I used to spend 800 to to $1,000 for a single display ad that would run in the Sunday paper, would run once, and then poof, it was gone. That display ad was gone, never to be seen again. And if the ad converted and it got people you know, picking up the phone and calling me or going to my website, great. If it didn't, then I was out a hundred thousand bucks, and I had to try again next Sunday. So you know to pay you know a few hundred bucks a month for a website that is going to be a leads machine for you that all you have to do is feed it traffic and it gives you leads, that is very inexpensive. And especially when some of these websites, um some of these martial arts website or web design companies out there, um, actually have features that are integrated into the website that uh, allows you to automate your front end, on your, uh, you know, onboarding students in your martial arts studio. I mean, that's just, that's amazing. You know, (laughs) you know, paying a couple hundred bucks for that a month. What's, what's the big deal? You know, it's cheap, but if you're not an expert in marketing, you're not going to understand these things. So make sure my number one tip is again, become an expert in marketing because becoming an expert in marketing and also understanding principles of marketing before you learn tools, because the principles are what make the tools work. That's one of the initial steps that's going to allow you to make that transition from part-time to full-time because when you're a good marketer and also when you learn how to sell memberships, that's going to solve your cash flow issues. And solving your cash flow issues is really the first step to going full-time. So the second thing I'm going to tell you, my second tip, making transition from part-time to full-time is to implement systems because systems allow you to leverage your time and work. So you only have to do difficult tasks once. In other words, you do the work once and then the systems continue to do the work for you over and over and over again. When we're using technology to implement systems, this is called automation. Automation is probably one of the best things that's happened to the martial arts industry in the last 20 years. And if you're not using automation, if you're not automating tasks by using technology, you're working a lot harder in your martial arts school than you have to. And I know some of you out there are thinking, well, you know, automation costs money, Mr. Massey. You know, I've got to spend money on, you know, this app and that app or on this website, you know, this web design service and so forth. So what? It's cheaper than hiring an employee. That's for sure. You know, spend the money, get systems in place. Automate your school, automate the operations of your school as much as possible, automate everything you can. You're still going to have to talk to people, as I said in last week's podcast episode, but the more you automate, the more time you have to spend on what's really important in your studio, which is teaching good classes and doing high level planning in your martial arts business and your martial arts instruction business so you can steer your school in a direction where it is going to make you a six figure income and supports you handsomely for the rest of your life for the rest of your professional career anyway. Now, my third tip after that is to wear every hat well. You cannot train somebody else to do something in your martial arts studio if you don't know how to do it well yourself. So Um, As well, when you start to hire staff, when you start to build up a staff in your studio, no matter how big your studio gets, I don't care how big your studio gets, it's up to you, really, you know, what I prefer. I think that it's better to have a school with a minimal staff, a small footprint. And uh, to keep your profit margins high and your overhead low, but some of you have um, different dreams than I do, and that's fine. But when you start to hire staff, you can't fill in for somebody who's sick or who decides not to come to work today because, you know, they're Gen Z or, you know, a millennial who feels like they need a mental health day for some reason or what have you. You're not going to be able to fill in for those people if you don't know how to do their job. So you need to learn how to wear every single hat your school and wear it well. That means you need to learn... To be the best manager, you can be the best marketer, you can be the best bookkeeper, you can be the best front desk person, you can be the best membership salesperson, you can be the best instructor on the floor, you can be on and on and on and on. You need to learn how to wear all these hats so you can systematize the operations in your school. And you can teach other people to do those tasks for you. So you multiply yourself. So basically you duplicate yourself and you don't have to do everything yourself. And if something goes wrong with your staffing, for some reason, you lose a key employee or whatever, you can step right in and fill in for that person. Now, my fourth tip kind of segues into that is to find one loyal employee or even better to hire your spouse. And I am going to have a husband and wife team. Uh, They are my clients, long-time clients. They're very successful in their martial arts studio that are going to come on the podcast soon and talk about husband and wife teams and running martial arts studios. But you need to find one key employee that you can rely on and focus on not just training that person well, but also compensating them well, as well as you possibly can to keep them around. Remember, compensation isn't always monetary. There are other ways to compensate people to keep them around. It, it only takes one person, just one key employee that can help you, you know, get past a plateau in your studio that can free up your time so you can focus on the floor or focus on management or wherever you want to focus your activities in, in your efforts in your martial arts studio. Once you find them, what I recommend you do first is you train that person to run your office so you can focus on the floor or or vice versa. It, it depends on what you want to do. I prefer to be on the floor. I don't like being in the office, but, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do to grow your school. But you have to free up your time if you want to grow your business. You can't do both jobs when your school gets to a certain point. When your school gets to a certain level of growth, and I see this all the time with martial arts school owners that come to me for coaching, they get to a certain level and they plateau and they can't get past it. And typically it's because what they don't realize is the uh, strategies and tactics and skills that they use to get themselves to that level of success in their studio are not the same strategies, tactics, and skills that they need to take them to the next level of success in their studio. So you have to be willing to grow and you have to make sure that you're able to duplicate yourself. So the next thing I would suggest, so you don't end up wearing every hat for forever, is to outsource the stuff that you're not good at. This is my fifth tip. Now, this requires you to be honest with yourself about what you're good at and what you're not good at. And if you don't know, ask somebody else to tell you because they will tell you. I can't tell you how many times I've had people that I coached. Um, I've had people in licensing programs that I ran before where I was licensing um, my fitness boot camp programs and uh, my self-defense curriculum to people. And I would have people in my licensing programs and I'd say, hey, look, you know, you might want to think about hiring somebody else to come in and you know, handle your marketing for you because, you know, um, this marketing that you've put out, it needs improvement, your, your website, your ads, whatever. Oh, no, no, I, I do everything myself. I've been doing my own marketing for years. I own a business, you know, in another industry and, you know, I always handle my own marketing and, you know, I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, clearly not because your marketing sucks. And, you know, it's not bringing you any students. And you're telling me that you're struggling in your studio because you can't get invited to come in the front door. You know, you need somebody else to tell you these things. And if you can't recognize this yourself, I mean, you should be able to recognize what you're not good at by the results you get. But if you don't know, ask somebody else to tell you. 90% of the time, you'll be outsourcing marketing tasks. And I'm going to tell you something with the, technological advancements we have today marketing has become ever more complicated. It's also become ever more effective and you have so many different ways to market your studio now it's crazy. It's hard to understand exactly what to focus on which is why I created the simplified dojo marketing course that's available in the mobile app that you can get at mabuzu.com I suggest you get that app you download it, you get a subscription. it's the best 30 bucks a month you'll ever spend on your website on your on your uh, Dojo I should say and that you learn how to market your studio using that course. But, you know, the thing is, once you get through that course, you're going to realize, oh, man, there's a lot that I actually should be outsourcing in my studio because I can't learn to do everything. You know, like when I started off, digital marketing was in its infancy. And so I learned how to do digital marketing. Um, in the early days of digital marketing, I, I like to tell people I built my first website and I got my first um, certification in digital marketing back when Yahoo was the dominant search engine, believe it or not. I've been doing this stuff for a long time. And then I spent thousands of dollars and I spent, you know, many, many dozens of hours in classrooms, taking online courses, reading books, um, you know, learning digital marketing, just piecemeal here and there. I'm doing certification courses and so forth. And, you know, honestly, that time probably could have been better spent on my studio instead of learning to be an expert at everything. Now, I'm not saying that those uh, that time and that money I spent didn't stand me in good stead, because at the time, it was really hard to find people who were competent in digital marketing. It's just not so anymore. There are lots of people out there who are competent at digital marketing tasks, some of the mundane tasks that you can uh, have somebody else handle for you on a day-to-day basis. Like, for example, social media marketing and graphic design for social media marketing. That's one of the things that, you know, it's cheap to get somebody to handle your social media marketing for you now to take that off your plate. Doesn't mean that you don't have to do your own post. You know, you're still gonna have to do, you know, post about your students and stuff like that. You're still gonna have to be taking pictures and videos inside your school to post online, but you can take kind of some of the filler Um, posting off your plate and that's just one example of things that you can outsource especially if you're not good at it you know if you're not good at graphic design if you're not good at you know even using simple software like Canva which is you know you know, it's, it's kind of newbie proof, but, you know, some people, you just haven't developed an eye for um, graphic design and for what looks good on the page. And if you haven't, you need to outsource that because you can't get away with crappy marketing anymore. You know, people are looking at you online. The first thing they see is your online presence. And when your online presence sucks, guess what? They're going to pass you up and they're going to go to the next person, whether it's your website, whether it's your social media, what have you. Uh, you got to step up and you got to be better at those skills. There are people out there in the industry that are teaching you how to do certain skills now too. Um, go ahead and take those courses, you know, listen to those people, because, you know, if they're an expert in doing something like, you know, say, for example, um, you know, video marketing or something like that, you know, take a course from that person, learn how they do it, and then develop those skills. But, you know, sometimes you just got to outsource. So don't try to learn everything, you know, learn the skills that, you know, that, interest you, that don't take too much of your time away from doing the real work of running your martial arts studio, which is um, basically planning your marketing, executing your marketing, tracking your marketing, um, talking to people, setting appointments, teaching intro lessons, running exciting classes, doing all the stuff you need to do to retain students, managing your books, and making sure that your school is profitable on a a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. That's the real work in running your studio. Everything else can be outsourced, should be outsourced. So outsource the things you're not good at. And uh, again, that's just another way of duplicating yourself so you're not doing all the work in your studio. Now, tip number six is to respect your numbers and ignore your feelings. And this is a tough one for a lot of martial arts school owners. Whenever I get a new coaching client and I ask them to send me their statistics, their metrics, when I ask them to send me their numbers, and they can't, or they won't because they're embarrassed, whichever it is. It it just dumbfounds me. Because the thing is, we as martial arts instructors, um, if you know that one of the key components of learning how to fight, how to defend yourself, is stepping in the ring and sparring. Sparring does not exactly simulate a real fight, but it in some ways emulates some parts of it. And Training with resistance, as we call it in the martial arts, is one of the ways you get to find out whether the stuff you're training works or not. And if you go back in the history of martial arts and you go back to the first UFC, what you'll see when you watch that first Ultimate Fighting Championship is that a lot of people found out that what they had been training and investing their time in for so many years was actually not effective. Why? Because they'd never tested it under pressure. You know, we'd been told things, and I remember, you know, coming up in the martial arts in the 80s. We were still being told things by our instructors like, Oh, you know, Iken hisatsu the you know, the one punch, one kill, you know? Um, you know, you you can't use this technique, you know, uh, for real against somebody or in sparring because it's too dangerous. It, you know, you'll kill somebody, you know, and you know, we were kids, we we grew up believing this stuff, and so you grow up believing that stuff, and then as an adult all of a sudden, you know, you end up walking into as I did, like a professional kickboxing studio in Denver, Colorado, and you start sparring people who are training as amateur and professional kickboxers, and you start to find out, oh, you know what? All that, you know, Ikkenisatsu stuff that, you know, my instructor told me was a bunch of baloney, you know, and it's not the instructor's fault because probably his instructor told him too. The same thing The same thing applies to the numbers in your studio. You need to look at cold, hard facts of how your studio is performing on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And you need to face up to the numbers. And if the numbers are telling you that something is wrong, you need to fix it. Numbers don't lie when they're accurate. Data can lie if it's manipulated and we've seen that many, many times. You see that all the time with these studies that are published about, you know, innumerable things in the in the media. It's easy to manipulate numbers. But when you're when you're generating your own numbers from your own books and you know these numbers are solid, you know these numbers are accurate, those numbers are not gonna lie to you. And they're gonna tell you. They're gonna tell you if, you know, you're advertising enough, if your advertising is working, if your advertising is effective. They're gonna tell you if your website is converting well. They're going to tell you if your phone skills and your um, texting skills and your communication skills with prospective clients are effective or if they suck. They're going to tell you if you're spending too much money in your studio, if you've got more money going out the door than coming in and so on and so forth. And not only you need to know these numbers, but once again, you need to respect those numbers. You need to respect the numbers in your studio. Numbers don't lie. What gets measured gets improved. And I believe it was Peter Drucker that said that. So, you know, measure what's going on in your studio so you can improve it. And finally, my last tip for going full time in your studio for making the transition from part time to full time is don't eat your profits. What do I mean by that? Every bit of profit that your martial arts school makes should be reinvested back in the school or tucked away into your rainy day fund until your studio is making enough money to cover all of the overhead, all of the expenses in your studio plus 25%. You don't pay yourself off the money that's coming into your studio until you hit that benchmark. And that's a benchmark that I set that I wrote in my books, Small J Big Profits, back in 2003, some 20 years ago. And it is because after starting a couple of studios, I knew, well, at that time I'd only started, well, I'd tried to start three and then I was successful at fourth try basically. But after starting my studio, I knew that that's what I needed to do in order to grow my studio. Why do I say cover all the expenses plus plus twenty five percent? Because you have to reinvest in your school to make it grow. If you're taking all the profit out of your studio, let's say you have a studio that is already successful, and you're taking every last dime of profit out of it, pretty soon the studio is going to suffer for it. You know, just like it's just like if you uh, starve yourself on a diet for an extended period of time. You know, we've all seen these people with. Uh, you know, eating disorders, and they starve themselves for extended periods of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start to look at them and you're like, man, that person's looking pale. They're looking sickly. You know, I'm starting, man, you can see their bones and they just don't look it, you know, we've, we've all seen actors and actresses that look like that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, um, models and so forth who are killing themselves to live up to some type of, uh, you know, physical standard, some type of aesthetic standard that is just unreasonable and uh, that nobody can live up to. Well, you know, in the same sense, you can starve your martial arts studio and your studio will start to look sickly after a while and it will start to falter. And if you're not careful, if you're taking all the profit out of your studio, a healthy studio will start to become sick and a growing studio will no longer grow. Your studio needs to be fed to grow. You need to reinvest profits back in your studio to grow. So don't plan on paying yourself from your studio until that studio is covering you know, all of the, all the overhead, all the expenses plus 25% and that 25% should be reinvested back in your studio. It's not 25% that goes in your pocket. And when you end up with excess funds in your studio and that should be put away in your rainy day fund in case something happens. So, Reinvesting. What do I mean by reinvesting? Well, I mean spending that money on growing your enrollment, not increasing your square footage or the amount of equipment you have in your studio. Sure, there's some equipment that you're going to need to buy and replace on a regular basis and so forth, but what you really need to focus on is growth to cash flow until your cash flow exceeds your overhead and uh, until you're able to pay yourself. Then you can focus on other stuff, okay? So that's it. Those are my top seven tips for making the transition from part-time to full-time in your martial arts studio. So now... Let's move on to the tip of the week. The
0: tip of the week. It's time for our featured martial arts business tip of the week. For more great tips, be sure to visit martialartsbusinessdaily.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And while you're there, click on the business resources tab for links to all Mike's martial arts business books and courses. Now, here's your martial arts business tip of the week.
1: Okay, the tip of the week this week is to up your mental game. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because since I've started publishing the podcast again on a weekly basis, since I've started putting out video content on the uh, various social media platforms and so forth, um, you know, actually elevating my presence in social media since I, you know, I've started to recover from cancer. One of the things I've noticed with the feedback that I'm getting from people out there, and some of them are people who are who are fans of my my materials and my courses and my books, some of them are just randos on the internet. But one of the things I've noticed is, is that a lot of you people, especially you younger people out there, you are so flipping cynical. And I'm not saying this to put you down. I'm not saying this to blame you or to tell you, you know, that, uh, you know, you've got a problem because, you know, um, you know, of your generation or whatever, that your generation has has an issue. I'm going to say that, some people I would say in the younger generations really um might um you know and that's been proven by uh, you know some of the feedback that I've got from employers and small business owners and so forth over time. I think that some of the people in the younger generations have issues with um work ethic. But I'm not saying that in general because I know that there are plenty of you out there who work hard who have, um, studied, you've done all the things that everybody told you to do in order to get ahead. And what you found is, is that you're not, you're not getting ahead for whatever reason. Um, and I, I respect you for that, you know, and I give you credit for that. But what I am saying is, is that many of you, because you've been raised on a certain type of media on modern media, because you've been raised on social media and because you've been raised on the type of news media that, um, exist in a 24 seven media cycle, information cycle that never ends because you've been constantly bombarded with negative information your entire life. You've got negative information from social media because the social media algorithms now, we know we're seeing this in congressional hearings and in lawsuits and so forth that the social media algorithms are written to feed you negative information that that, um, you respond to so you spend more time on social media so the social media companies can make more money off ads and clicks and shares and so forth. We know that the news media feeds you negative information all the time because they know that's what whatever gets people riled up, whichever gets people scared, whatever bleeds sells, as they say in uh in journalism, right? So we know you've been fed negative information there. You've been fed negative information from the education system because many of the people who have infiltrated the education system over the past forty years have been people who Basically, they hate capitalism, they hate commercialism, and they hate the West. It's as simple as that, you know? And you can argue with me on that, but, you know, all you have to do is just look at the news today, look at some of the stories out there right now, look at the idiots that are apologists for terrorism right now, you know? I mean, you have to be an absolute moron to look at what happened in Israel, no matter what you think of the Israeli government. Let's let's set that aside and let's look at what happened to the Israeli people. You have to be an idiot to look at terrorist going through towns going through uh, music festivals and just randomly and brazenly killing civilians uh, kidnapping them raping them you know killing children killing babies you know you have to be an idiot to look at that and or idiot or brainwashed actually and to to want to defend that you know and why do people defend those actions why do people why is people why are people's ethics and morals so twisted that they can defend murder and rape and terrorism. Why? Well, because they've been lied to. They've been lied to their whole life, and you've been lied to. I'm telling you, you've been lied to your whole life. You've been told that you can't get ahead because of this or that. You've been told to blame everything on boomers, which I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer, but you know, I know most of you can't tell the difference. But what I'm saying to you is, is that you have to you have to separate yourself from all that negative information because that negative information is poisoning your mind. It's making you hyper And the problem is, is that you're programming your brain to look for bad things and it's preventing you from getting ahead in life. And here's why. So there are people who would explain this a lot better than I can, but I'm going to try to explain it um, the best that I can. So we have something in our, uh, basically, our organic operating system a here in our brain called the reticulate, what is it, the reticulating activation system, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I might be saying that wrong. But uh, basically, your RAS is the part of your brain that is programmed or that becomes programmed to look for things that help you survive. Okay, So, for example, um, let's say, for instance, one time, let's say Let's just say you were um, a caveman, okay, or a cavewoman back in the day, right? So, you know, you're roaming around in the wilderness and you happen to eat um, maybe some red berries that make you sick. Well, guess what? From then on, your brain is going to be looking out for those red berries and, you know, so you can avoid them and not eat them so you don't get sick again. Let's say, for example, that you smelled a certain smell, a certain odor, you know, maybe there was a strong odor of a predator or something like that, right? Before you were chased by, you know, a a predator, like a bear or something, you know, well, guess what? Every time you smell that odor, your brain's going to go into overdrive and it's going to tell you, oh my gosh, you know, you need to get out of here because guess what? Something bad's about to happen. This is one of the reasons why people today experience PTSD and and they're, yeah, I I can't, I don't even want to go into psychology of that, but it's one of the reasons why people have such, um, you know, they end up with negative connotations related to certain sensory stimuli. OK, in the same sense, this can be a positive thing. And I know you've probably heard this said before by other, um, you know, by other people, possibly by a motivational speaker or something who's talked about how, you know, say you're out shopping for a red sports car. All of a sudden you start to see red sports cards everywhere because your brain is associating that with pleasure, with something that, um, if it associates it with pleasure, it's something that your brain instinctually thinks can help you survive. So we can train our brain, our subconscious mind to look for good things or for bad things. And I know you've heard it said before, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast that as a man thinketh, so he is, the things that we dwell on constantly throughout the day, whether it's negativity or whether it's positivity, whether it's looking for opportunity or looking for things that are going to cause us to stumble. Those are the things we're going to focus on, and those are the things that we tend to end up seeing. Whether or not those things are actually the most prevalent opportunities, cycles, events in our lives. If you want to be successful, what I'm saying is, is you need to cultivate a positive mental attitude. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing is you need to cut out all negativity and distraction from your life. Simple as that. Cut out negativity and distraction from your life. You need to turn off the news. You need to stop scrolling social media, period. And a discussion. I know some of you are addicted to social media. I, yeah, I'm going to say it is it is addicting. I can remember when TikTok first dropped and I was looking at it as a platform. Um, you know, I was kind of looking at the potential for it to be a marketing platform for martial arts school owners and for my own publishing business. And I downloaded TikTok to my phone. And I started playing around with it and before I knew it. You know, I'm scrolling a half hour a day. And I thought, man, this is silly. Number one, the content sucks. You know, it's just, you know, brain candy and it's, it's, it's junk food for the brain. And number two, it's a waste of time, so I deleted TikTok from my phone. I have deleted the, the feed from uh, my Facebook account. In other words, when I go to Facebook, I don't see a feed to scroll through on Facebook, and that allows me to get on Facebook, do what I need to do, the tasks I need to do to market my business and interact with my clients, and then get off quickly. And I no longer waste all the time that I used to waste on Facebook at one point. So turn off the news, because the news is lying to you, and it's it's just feeding you negativity all day long. Turn off the news. Stop scrolling social media. If you want to get news, do what I do. Um, I subscribe to a couple of neutral news aggregation newsletters. And those newsletters aggregate all of the top headlines for the day for me on various topics. I get those newsletters. I scroll through them. One is the Wall Street Journal. It's the Wall Street Journal's 10 point. The other one is the 1440 newsletter. And so I scroll through those two newsletters. I look at the headlines. Anything that I think bears looking at more in depth, I go to the website. I look directly at the news Source and I look at it at the source, hopefully from a neutral web source or a fairly neutral web source, and then I move on. I don't spend time dwelling on it. I don't spend time arguing with people on social media over it. I no longer spend my time on those activities. Now, what are you supposed to do instead? You know, you're probably thinking, well, you know, how am I going to, you know, uh, entertain myself, Mike? Well, Instead, you want to replace that time that you spent previously listening to the negative news and scrolling, doom scrolling on social media and spend it listening to self-improvement audios and podcasts and do that instead of listening to music in your car as well. And I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy music. All I'm saying is, is that when you have downtime, say on your commute to work or back and forth in the studio or whatever, or possibly when you're doing different tasks in the studio that you have to do admin tasks that are somewhat mind numbing listen to some self-improvement audios, listen to some self-improvement podcast. okay? Fill your mind with positive stuff. Good information in means, you know, good stuff comes out, right? Now, also read self-improvement books instead of watching TV at home. You know, whether you listen to audiobooks or whether you like to read, um, you know, physical books or whether you read ebooks or what have you, it doesn't matter, but just make sure that you're filling your mind with positive stuff and, and reading self-improvement books is one way to do that. Also, Hang out with people who are focused on achieving success and stop hanging out with people who do nothing but bitch and complain. And you know who these people are in your life. You know who the people are in your life who do nothing but gripe and complain, moan about how bad things are. And you know what? Pretty soon what's going to end up happening is when you're hanging out with those people all the time is you're going to end up in just one big pity party, one big pity circle. And you're all going to be telling each other how bad things are and, you know, how you can't get ahead and how your parents had, you know, such a better lifestyle than you. That may be true. okay? it might be true, but dwelling on it and pissing and moaning about it is not going to help you improve your situation. It's as simple as that, you know, you got to get out of that downward cycle, that downward spiral of complaining and griping and just dwelling on how bad things are. Because, you know, the more you dwell on it, the harder it is to get out of it because, you know, you're just not going to have the motivation. You're going to kill your own motivation to do the things that are necessary and recognize the opportunities that are necessary for you to improve your personal situation. So stop bitching and complaining. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. I'm not the person who said that first. I can't tell you who said that right now, but it's true. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind probably Zig Ziglar said that. Okay. So enough for that. All right. That's my second rant for the podcast. I know I I ran a lot this podcast, but you know, I I felt like there's a lot to rant about this week and, you know, hopefully I didn't turn you off with that. Hopefully I said something that, you know, hopefully encouraged you. And that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you that it is possible for you to improve your, your personal, you know, where you're at in life right now, you know, um, your personal circumstances it is possible to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and to make your life better. I'm telling you that, you know, no matter what you've been told, capitalism, entrepreneurialism, commercialism, you know, our Western society, it still works. We still live in an egalitarian society where you can choose to become something better, where you can choose to get ahead. You can choose to make the right decisions to replace wasted time with productive time to grind your way to success. You just have to make the choice to do it. And I'm not going to regale you with all my stories about how I walked, you know, uphill both ways in the snow to school in order to get a degree and blah, 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 and all that stuff. If you want to hear my background and my stories, go back in some of the podcasts I've talking about it before, or just read my books and, you know, it's, it's all there, you know, I will say I had it rough. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. Um, nobody gave me anything in life. You can't, too. Okay. So be encouraged. All right. Fill your mind with positive, uh, positive information because that's what's going to help you have the attitude, um, have the willpower to succeed in life. All right. So that's it for this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, For those of you who are located here in the U.S., I want to wish you the best holiday week you possibly can. I want to encourage you to get some rest and relaxation this week. Spend time with friends, family, and loved ones. You know, enjoy your time off so you can come back fully recharged with your mind fully recharged next week and be ready to just kill it in your business. Okay. Because that's what I want you to do. So be well. I'll see you in the next edition of the Martial Arts Business Podcast. And uh, again, let's go out there and kill it.
0: You've been listening to the Martial Arts Business Podcast with Mike Massey. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this show, leave us a positive review while you're there. Thanks for your support. And tune in again next time for more great martial arts business tips and advice from martialartsbusinessdaily.com.